Hi, this is David. And I'm Shay. And you are listening to Board on the Air on CFCR, where we talk about board games and board game related topics. Let's jump right into it today. What we've been playing. So a game I just tried on Friday was called Cryptid. This is a really neat game. I actually bought this game for my brother for his birthday without ever having played it, without knowing anything about the game. And I'm really, really glad I got it because I can't wait to play it again. This is a deduction-based game. So you have this map with these different tiles and the tiles are modular so you can move them around, get different maps. I believe I didn't set the game up, but I believe in the rule book that they say different sections. Yeah, ways. yeah. They'll put the maps together and then they tell you what clue goes with which. Yeah. And that's really neat because you have your clue book and it has, I guess, getting a little ahead of myself. So you have the board and you have different structures on the board. And the idea is you're trying to find where the monster is in this map. And the way you do that is you each have your own special clue. So it can be like within two squares of a stone, which is a tall structure, or within two squares of a little triangle piece. Or on water. Or on or water, or in forest, water. or in or in the wood, or sorry, or in the mountains, or or not, like you're saying. So the, the clues are kind of cool. You each only get one. So you have an idea of where something is, but you need the other people's clues to really narrow it down. And you do that by asking them questions. So you're going to ask them like, hey, you, it, can this be in this square? And if they say yes, that, that helps. If they say no, again, it helps you figure it out. You can also ask, I think, just group-wide, like, is this an area it can be in? And people can each put their thing on. Yeah, basically, if, if you ask a question and it says no, then you have to give where yours can't be as well. Yeah. And if you have it narrowed down to where you think you know where the monster is, you say, is it here? And then you put yes, because obviously yeah. yours matches. And then the next person goes, the next person goes until somebody says no. Yeah. It was really funny. I had one where the guy just beside me said, can it be here? Or I think it's here. And around the table it went, everybody saying yes, 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 yes. And it got to me, the last person. I was like, nope. And it just kind of shut him down. It was really, really, really funny. And I had a great time in the game. It was pretty quick, too. It was only 30 minutes, I think, we ended up if, playing. If that. If that, yeah. yeah. And you could play anywhere from three to five people, I yep. believe. Yes. Uh, re really solid game. And uh, last week, we talked about Treasure Island. Similar game where yep. you're doing that deduction where everybody has a piece. This one, you have a piece of the clue where Treasure Island, you're just asking questions of one person. Yeah. Uh, games I played... This weekend were New Frontiers, which is a uh, spin on Race for the Galaxy, Roll for the Galaxy, uh, in a board game version. Uh, it's sort of a re-implementation of Puerto Rico, where you're getting planets and you're trying to colonize them. So when you put them on your board, it's just something you've explored. And then when you settle it, you flip it over and you start to get bonuses and stuff. Like, you know, you're going to get extra money when you do certain actions and there's seven actions you can do uh it's for two to five people i believe uh when somebody picks an action on their turn everybody follows them and does that action so in each each game all of you are going to do five actions or all of you are going to pick an action and all of you are going to follow those actions if you can do it uh we used to own roll for the galaxy i found this a much better implementation of it or 
more assess- accessible implementation of it. I did, it was just a lot of fun, and I found it very, uh, very clean, and it, it brought value to all the different actions where in Roll, I found you were just trying to build planets. Well, that's the thing, and I found, so I've played Roll, but not New Frontiers, but from what I've heard of it, the issue with Roll is you can get stuck, right? You can say, I want to do this action, um, and you, you basically vote on it. So, yeah, I'm going to do this action, but nobody knows what they're doing. And if somebody doesn't do an action and you were hoping they would pick that, because you can only vote for one or two. Well, you, you pick one. You pick in one. Role. Yeah. Uh, same like New Frontiers. Everybody or Everybody's going to pick one action, but in Roll, it's, it's hidden. Yeah. Right? So you don't know what people are going to do. So all people could pick the exact same action. And you'd get one action. And then. you guys only get one action. And, and you're rolling dice for this. You can actually, well, not necessarily lose dice, but, you know, have to put them to the side for a little bit. Yeah. And... Well, I, I did enjoy Roll for the Galaxy. This sounds a lot more fun because I like the idea of being able to do more actions. That's what I found. I found in Roll, unless you were playing with four or five people, it took away from the game where this one we played with, we've, I've played with five, I've played with three, and both ways are very good. And uh, one of the guys that I know plays it with two, him and his wife, and they really like it. Yeah. Uh, another game I played on the weekend was... Champions of Hera. Uh, it is a bit of a deck building dungeon crawl. Okay. So you're you have a board with a dojo in the middle and six areas around it, and you start with a deck of four cards, and as you power up or get uh, souls or soul gems, basically. Infinity stones. Infinity stones. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, uh, you go. You're trying to get to ten on three different colors, and then when you get to five, you get one card of that color. So you have a deck of six cards that you're waiting for. Uh, seven act technically because there's an ultra card, which is a single use card, and if you get to ten in your color, you get that card. But also, if you get to the third age at dusk, so there's six days. And each day has a dusk and a dawn. So there's 12 rounds you're going to play. And if nobody's got to the 10 on all three things, you all lose. If you get to it, you win. Uh, You can attack the monsters that come out. You can attack the people that are trying to win. So the people you're playing with. So it's it's got a bit of a cooperative, bit of a competitive aspect to it. It was was a really neat implementation of a game. I enjoyed it. Uh, The only thing is... The board changes really quickly, and at the end of each day, you're actually moving these tiles around, so your dojo oh. is going to go from the middle to the side. So it makes it kind of hard to plan where you what you want to do. Yeah, you can plan something, but once it gets to your turn, it could change the, day, the minute yeah. before you get there, right? Uh, so if you're somebody that uh, really thinks through your moves, it can slow down the game a bit. Uh, other than that, I thought it was really good. Yeah. Is it related to Champions of Midgard at all, or does it just happen to have a similar name? Just a similar name. Okay. Uh, different company, different uh, designers, everything. Okay. Okay. Now the news. Uh, big one for me. Paladins of the West Kingdom is on Kickstarter, and it is already funded. And getting a lot of funding, actually. Uh, really good game. Uh, or looks like a really good game. Loved Architects, so Paladins is on my uh, wish list for the year. Still not sure if I'm going to back it or not, but looks really cool. 
Lost Cities is getting a new edition and it includes the expansion. Uh, just another company is taking it and redoing it. Uh, for you guys not familiar with Lost Cities, two-player game that uh, doesn't have a big take that aspect, but it's a lot of fun. Me and my wife play it a lot. Me and Jordan have, or my son have played it a bunch. Re really, really good game. And third one, Talisman is getting rebranded. So they're taking the Talisman game where you're moving around using cards to do magic and stuff like that. And they're going to put a couple of IPs on it. The first one, first two that were announced, first one was Kingdom Hearts for uh, all you that know Square, Eni Square Enix. Uh, that's who makes it. Oh, okay. It, it's Disney with Final Fantasy combined is what it is in, in the video game. Uh, and the other one is Batman and once more from the villain's perspective where you're trying to beat Batman. Yeah. I, I love the idea of, you know, doing it from the villains because Batman has by far the best villains out of, you know, any universe, in my opinion. You can fight me on that. Um, but honestly, the whole thing is, is that Batman always wins. So it's kind of hard for me to say, like, here, let's play a game where we're definitely going to do the unthinkable. Well, that, that's exactly it. We talked about a Batman game a couple of day, or a couple of weeks ago. Similar idea. You know, you're, you're fighting Batman, so you're against the clock right off the start. Uh, a bunch of uh, expansions that have been announced. Terraforming Mars is getting another expansion. Terra Mystica is getting another expansion. Teotihuacan is getting another expansion, or its first expansion, and Terra Mystica's first expansion. Everybody's worried that Terry Mis Terra Mystica wasn't going to get an expansion because they re-implemented as Gaia Project, but they're going back to this one and doing it, an expansion. And an, a fairly old game, Memoir 44, is getting a plain expansion. Apparently at one point it had one already, but they're redoing it. Looks really cool. Are they going to redo the game with it? Because, I mean, like you said, it's a bit of an older game, so is the style going to match up? or? Yeah. Like, uh, so Memoir 44 is, uses a system called Command and Colors. So you're using cards. You have a board that's separated into three zones, and each card is going to say, I can, you can move somebody in one of those three zones. And it, that's how it plays out. So you can't just go after the person you're playing. You have to rely on your hand of cards that are may or may not give you what you need that turn. So you may have to do something else. So yep. it's, it gives that fog of war type idea. And that is the news for this week. All right. So if you're just tuning in, we are bored on the air on CFCR. Uh, thank you for listening to us. We are going to jump into our main topic today, which is classic modern games. I know that sounds a little strange. Bear with us here. So last week we uh, went through Cult of the New. So we thought a good good follow-up to that would be classic games. We started out with classic games and we went to classic modern games. Because everybody knows the classic games. You know, Everybody knows their Monopoly, their Trivial Pursuit, their Chess, Checkers, Risk. Games that have been around for 50 to 100 years to... 500 years in some I, of the cases. I, I, my favorite thing is we were looking games up for the classic games and Domino's was on there. I think it says 1300 is the date for when it was released. I, lo I love that. Exactly. So everybody knows those games. A lot of gamers hate those games or... Are bored of them. Bored I'd say of them. We, we've gotten... We, we have standards now. Well, Monopoly... 
I would go towards hate. Yeah, I don't like Monopoly. <laughs> if you like Monopoly, you're lying. <laughs> and if you know all the rules of Monopoly, you're lying. Nobody knows. Because nobody ever reads I don't them. think anybody knows how to play Monopoly. They just say they know how to play Monopoly. Exactly. So that's why I went to a modern classic board game. So we did some research, did some reading. Uh, Opinionated Gamer just did a list last year. And they based theirs on something from 1995 to 2015. Yeah. Uh, the reason they picked 1995 is that's when Catan came out. And it really signaled the change to what is the modern board game industry. Yeah, a more designer board game. Yeah, designer board game. Yeah. And then 2015, it's kind of a soft cutoff, I'd say. I have a game on here that's actually from 2016. But the idea is you don't want to get any of those really new games on there that you know, still have all that hype around them. And 2015 is a pretty good cutoff, you know, four years ago. Yeah. It's, it's pretty decent. It, like to me, I have a hard time saying 2015, you know, a four-year-old game. That's a classic. That's a classic game. But it, like we mentioned in our last show, Call to the New, it, the game industry is it just exploded. And so something four years ago, if it's stuck around and people still love it and still play it, that's actually really good for that game. That's exactly it. So, one of the criteria I was looking at, is this readily available or is it something yeah. you'll never see again? Yeah. Right? Because if it's something you're not going to see again, it's it's not really a classic. Yeah. You have to be able to get the game, I think, to make it a classic or else how are you going to really introduce new people into it, right? Exactly. So to me, it's people that are still playing it and still buying it, right? You know, that's, that's what I look at. Uh, any other thing that you had, Shay? Um, just about the, the club, what, what else makes a classic? It seems a lot of these games, like we mentioned with Catan, are games that kind of jump-started a genre of game, a style of game, or they improved a genre. So they took something that existed and made it just, they changed it up. They switched it up a bit. Yep. Yeah. No, I would agree. So some of the games, I, I, I went to Board Game Geek, like everybody does, and just started going down the list of the top 50. I didn't go all the way to 100 because the yeah. list was getting long already. Uh, you know, number three on Board Game Geek is Through the Ages. Uh, first implementation was 2006. It was re-implemented in 2015. Simple, or what? <laughs> uh, not, not a simple game. Uh, I just got this one myself. That's why it popped in, popped into my brain, right? You know, it's a classic game where you're basically moving cubes around and drafting cards. You know, peop it gets a lot of knock because you're doing this, but it takes three to five hours to play the game. Yeah, I think when we got this game, I don't think I jumped in on it. I was doing homework or something, but I could hear from the room just the mad confusion of these guys trying to figure out this game for the very first time. We started and then put it away. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to it. We'll get, we'll get the game out again. There's some days where you just aren't going to pick up a game that is a little bit more complex. And that was just one of those days. We just, some of us weren't in the mood to do something new. Yeah. Um, I have a huge list. I actually went through that opinionated gamers list that we mentioned before. I didn't take all of them because some of them I disagreed with. I didn't think they were classic games, but the, there were a lot that I actually did recognize and ones that I played and ones that I started playing with. Um... One that I have on here that I definitely would say is Ticket to Ride. So we talked about this one in our Gateway Games episode. 
Um, I love the game. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's older than I thought it was. That game's from 2004. And I don't know exactly when the expansions were made, but it's just... Like, when we started playing, we started, what, 2010? After that, we started playing the game, right? Yeah. And yet it was still one that we managed to get and play and one that I thought looked modern enough that, like, it could have been within the past 10 years, right? Yeah, like, so Ticket to Ride is, as we say, a lot of these games do show up on the Gateway Games list. Yeah. Because they are a good implementation of that mechanic. Uh, Ticket to Ride is early 2000s and they're still releasing new versions of it new maps for it so it it's stayed the test of time right it's it's not going away anytime soon and, and that was one of the things i noticed about a, a lot of the games that i saw it's not that the game itself is or well the games have been around for a while but they keep being re-implemented they yep. keep uh bringing out new versions of it yeah you know like something like uh twilight imperium yeah that's a good one the first one came out in 1997 they remade it in 2000 the third edition was tw 2005 and then 2017 they brought out ti4 right? which has been one of the best games since like that one that one has not been stopped talking about like a lot of people love the, the newest implementation. Well, they made it pretty. <laughs> it, it was always a nice game, right? They always had miniatures, but they've made the miniatures better. They've brightened the board up. Yeah. But they've also streamlined the game itself. Okay. Yeah. It yeah. is a long game. I know that. It's not one I'd probably play, but... No, I'm not into anything over three hours for the most part. Yeah. And they said that's, that's a six-hour game. Yeah, it's long. It's, it's, if a game needs a lunch break... I, it's too long for me. It's too long for me if it needs a lunch break. I'm with you. Yeah. I Jumping off of that, you know, making different editions, Pandemic is one that I have on my list, and I actually love this game. Pandemic kind of jump-started that cooperative style of game. So for those of you who haven't played Pandemic, it's a, like I said, cooperative game where you're collecting cards and moving around a board trying to cure diseases, four different diseases. It's really neat because you have your characters that do special things and you're working together to try and get, I believe it's four cards of the same color, five, five cards of the same color to clear that disease away. And you can do this cure by- Cure the disease. Sorry, cure the disease. Some of them allow you to completely wipe them away. Again, I'm getting some of the special abilities mixed in here, so but it's, it's it, really neat. And then you try to eradicate it. Yeah. And it's a cool game. It's really fun to work together. I jumped into this game when I started because I wasn't a huge fan of the fighting games. I always found them like, I, I was like, I get too stressed out playing these games. Whereas with Pandemic, I'm like, oh, good. I don't have to worry about you guys. Let's all just work on this one thing. And this is a game that came out in 2008 and it has had a bunch of expansions and they just came out or, well, sorry, they didn't just, they came out with Pandemic Legacy, which is a, a legacy style game so you're actually like the stuff that happens stays on the board you're I, altering the board yeah i haven't played it yet i really want to they came out with season one season two just came out and it those legacy games have actually taken off people are really really loving them so this game is just stuck around for over 10 years now yeah and to me pandemic you know it it started that cooperative movement which when i first heard of it made no sense because there was <laughs> there was no winner I, I need to win. 
right? But I understand where Shay's coming from. A lot of people don't like that take that. They don't want that in-your-face aspect to a game. The other thing it, you, it brought in was the action movement mm-hmm. or action. Yeah, so you get four actions. How you do those four actions or what those four actions yeah. you do is up to you or the alpha gamer at the table. Yeah, that's that's the only downside to this game is you can get stuck with somebody who says, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it's like, okay, well, let's just remember we're four people at the table. We're all working together and we all have an opinion. But for the most part, I haven't had really any terrible experiences playing it. And it has a really good app that you can play if you want to try the game out. Yeah. Okay, so along those lines of, to me, that, that really kickstarted a genre and and the newest game really on my list, other than ones that have been re-implemented, is Orleans. Oh, yeah. You know, it's 2014, so not real old. It's five years old. But it brought bag building out, right? Yeah. I know there was other implementations like automobiles and there was another couple other. But the one I first one I played was Altiplano. And when I played it, everybody said, you got to play Orleans. If you played Orleans, Altiplano is no problem. So... Orleans was a little bit hard to get for a few months there, but now it's back out in print. Really great game. Uh, you you're you're getting soldiers, you're getting knights, and there's about five or six different farmers yeah. and there's monks a monastery. And, yeah, you know, so there's all these different tiles. You put them in a bag. You reach in, and depending on what level you're at for knights, that round is how many tiles you're gonna pull out of there. You put them on your board, and then you're going to move those into the different spots. So you're trying to move around a map, and to do that, it takes three of them uh, of certain colors. Uh, You're trying to move your intelligence up, so you're trying to get the books, or you go to the university. And all of them require different combinations of those six or seven people that you can be. Yeah. You know, to me, this one's going to be around for a long time because it's... It, right now it's readily available it's easy to teach people are buying it people yeah. are still talking about it right well, and that's the thing is it's, it's a complex game but also a simple game to learn and we so i we kind of learned this game at the same time i played altiplano and then i played orleans and i really really like it i actually like it better than altiplano just because i like the way the movement works and i like that you don't necessarily have to move to win the game it helps and I'd say you need it to get those resources that give you points. Yeah. But, you know, you, you don't, it's not the, the end of the game is if you're able to move around where I found with Altiplano, it was like, it was so hard to move and you needed to move. And I didn't love that that much. Well, Altiplano brought in a little bit of a worker placement in that you're moving a person around the seven or six islands yeah. or six spots to go. And unless you're on that spot, you can't do... Yeah. The tiles. It's it's you still have your own board, you're still pulling out of a bag. The thing I like about Altiplano versus Orleans, I like them both and I'll play either of them at a drop of a hat is that in or or in Altiplano you're pulling your your little circles out of the board and once you use them they go into a cart. So until your bag's empty, yeah. you don't refill those ones. Where all Orleans your things go back into the bag every time. So there's ones you may never pull out of that bag. Right? So like most games, there's, there's things that work and things that don't. All right, so what about some new games? You know, something less than four years old that we might consider, beco- they might become classic games. 
Well, the one that jumps to the front of my brain instantly and the one that we talked about yeah. when we first started talking about modern classic games is Scythe. Right? And, and this game, I would like to say, just goes out of our range. It is a 2016 game. Still super popular. I have yet to try it. I really need to because it looks cool. It, it's a beautiful game. There's lots of miniatures. There's a big map. Uh, it's one of those games that people bling out. So there's special resources, special yeah. coins. You know, you can get a neoprene map if you want it. There's so much that people have put into this game. That's the next thing Jordan will buy, right, is the neoprene mat. I don't know if he will because I, I honestly think the neoprene mat is harder to carry around. Oh, yeah? You know, he's already got the legendary box and everything. I was going to say harder to carry around than the big box that we have at home. (laughs) So Scythe is one of those ones that really pops up. Yeah. For me, Gloomhaven is one. And this one's a very, very new game. Uh, It's what? 2017? 2017. 2017. So that still is relatively new. But it like I've mentioned it before on the show before. You know, on the show. It was one of our, uh, what have we played? And it's one of our, what do we want to play? It's, yeah, we still have yet to play it again. I can't wait. It won all the awards and it's stuck around. People are still really, really liking this game. And other than a little period of time there, it does seem to be pretty easy to get. It's, you know, you can get the game now. Yeah, it's it's something that he keeps printing. But the problem with it, as he says, is that it's a monster. It's huge. Every box contains one game so he's not shipping six games at a time you know so the logistics of it are a bit of a nightmare is what he says but it's like printing money for him right yeah oh you know the thing is is it sucks to print but he knows it's going to sell right now question is will that keep up well and that's that goes into my point or my next point is is cult of the new going to kill classic games or modern classic games and you know we mentioned kickstarter and cult of the new and that's something where that hurts that readily available because they're made, they get shipped out. They maybe make some retail versions, but as we mentioned, most people will go to the deluxe version. So is that Kickstarter special going to stop people from, you know, being able to continue to buy games? Well, are, are games going to be like that Costco model where it's, you see it, you buy it because you're never going to see it yeah. again, right? That's, that's the thing. We don't, we don't know. Because yeah. it's, it's exploded so much. So it, we'll ha- just have to wait and see, really. I, I think the gist, gist of what we're saying is there's lots of modern classic board games out there. You know, we've talked on a few of them. Yep. We don't want them to go away. We want these great games to continue to be readily available and out there for you. Okay, Shay, what are you looking forward to playing? What I'm looking forward to playing, as long as we can get it, is Wingspan. So this is a game we mentioned last one. It's uh, Elizabeth Hardgrave put out by Stonemaier Games. It is a strategy dice rolling, set collection, engine building game. It looks gorgeous, and that's the thing that's drawing me in. It has a big birdhouse in it. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing this game and trying it, because that brand's game seems to do pretty well. It's Stonemaier. He he does Scythe. He does uh, Viticulture. He, He makes a lot of very nice games. It is hard to get. He's come out and said that he didn't print enough. So it, it's going to be a second printing before we, we will probably see it because I think most of the game stores in town sold out the day they got it. But hopefully some of our friends bought it and we can play it with yeah. them. Uh, the one I'm looking forward to that we talked about last board game night is Wildlands by Martin Wallace. Uh, it's your area control, 
one guy described it as paintball the board game because you never know where the shots are going to come <laughs> from. Looks really neat. A little bit of a take that aspect, but Jordan I think it, it should be fun. It's, it sounds neat. Okay. Thank you for joining us on Board on the Air. I'm David. And I'm Shay. And we will talk to you next week.